If you have, if you're online and you are going to get a Bible, it's 1 Corinthians 16. If you're in church, I don't think the words are going on screen because I think you want to hear it. But if you've got, you're always welcome to get your phone out and, uh, and check your messages. No, no, I mean, um, and go to Bible Hub or go our gateway if you want to follow 1 Corinthians 16. Um, I'm going to read it in a moment, uh, right through, and then say some words about it. We, we get to the end of 1 Corinthians today. Um, the series on 1 Corinthians seems like it's gone on forever, because <laughs> we've done Mr. John in, in, in between, and there's been Easter and Christmas and, and COVID and all manner of things happening. Um, but we have gone through the whole of 1 Corinthians. Woo! Didn't we do well? Say yes, we did well. Um, and we now come to the last chapter. Um, and I get the last chapter uh, to, to, to the last two weeks. Pete spoke about uh, resurrection. Um, and Laurie talked about the resurrection of the body last week. So chapter 15 last week, last two weeks. So here goes 1 Corinthians uh, 16. Now about the collection for God's peoples, Paul writes, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give you letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened for me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Now about a brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these, and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Aristarchus arrived, because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition." The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets in their house. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Paul, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Come, O Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May love, sorry, my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. One side, so I can see you. Um, after, I mean, and this this letter, I mean, it's a letter, the Corinthian letter. This part of the correspondence between Paul and this young church, which had its issues, 
has come out of a letter they've written to Paul, as you know. That's why you get these phrases in this letter quite regularly, in this chapter twice, uh, verse 1. Now about, dot, 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 dot. And about Apollos, uh, verse 12. Now about. Paul's responding to questions they've asked him. And, and he's dealt with some massive themes. I, I, I did wonder about doing a quiz at this point to see how much you've been listening over the last seven or eight months. Pete's, Pete's grimacing already at the front, look. Um, but I thought I wouldn't. But just in church, you're not allowed to shout, but you can speak fairly loudly so I can hear. And at home, if you want to, what are some of the themes that we've dealt with in Corinthians? Love. I didn't hear who said it, but love. Chapter 13. Absolutely. Gifts of the Spirit. Spirit. Absolutely. Prophecy, tongues, all that stuff. Resurrection. The fact there is the fact that Jesus is alive. And what that means for us, and what it means in practice. If Paul's gone into great depths the last two weeks, we've had it, about the resurrection. He's dealt with sexual morality. No one said that. I suppose you don't like saying sexual immorality in church, do you? Say sexual immorality. You see? You can do it. He's dealt with marriage. He's dealt with all divisions. He's, dealt with, he's done with a load of lofty and high themes throughout this book. And it's a fantastic book because in many ways, although the church in Corinth was completely different in its situation to where we are culturally, in many, many ways, I think it speaks into our situation, into some of our divisions, our problems, as we live life in the 21st century. But chapter 16 always seems a bit of a letdown. Having dealt with the chapter on love, which everyone has, no one, no one, no one reads 1 Corinthians 16 at their wedding. But they read 1 Corinthians 13. Last week we had all that about resurrection body and fantastic stuff. And it always is a little bit of a, hmm, as you come to the end of the letter. And in a sort of way, it is. But in other ways, there's some really key stuff here, I think, for us this morning. In fact, there are, I think there are really, well, I'm going to pick up one thing first of all. But then I think there's one principle that I think God's put on my heart to share with you this morning. Are you up for that? So hear me. There's only really one principle you've got to get on this morning, okay? So, so I'll say it several times so you get it. But it's not, I don't think, very complicated. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes of our hearts to hear the truth that your spirit speaks from your written word into our lives. Make it, Lord, living word, Rima for us uh, this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so the first comment is, is most of this chapter is about like personal greetings. And there's some stuff there that is just gives an insight into the way the early church worked. AD 50 or so, this letter, very early on. And, 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 and Paul is talking about, you know, him coming to, back to Corinth and going through Macedonia and Timothy coming and Apollos going and stuff. <laughs> I thought when I read it, I thought, it's a blooming sight easier travelling around the Roman world than it is travelling under Covid regulations at the moment. The chance of going to Macedonia and Greece is pretty small at the moment. Anyway, that's, that's a, a by the by. And it, it was true that the situation, Roman Empire, whatever, it's bad and good things, and it was lots of bad things in some ways, had provided a period of peace and stability. And the early church grew using that. And so that these, these leaders like Paul and Timothy and Apollos could travel around and encourage the churches. And you get, the, you get the sense here of how it's a church that's both very local, 
the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus. And probably, at this stage, meeting in houses, not, not beautiful buildings, very informally, in people's houses, the church that meets in Aquila and Priscilla's house, mentioned towards the end somewhere, verse 19. But it was still international, universal. They still had a concern for each other. They still linked up. And there's something beautiful in that, I think, actually, in terms of the way that we're called to be Jesus followers. And you need to be involved in a local group. You need to be involved with people who can know you and challenge you. I think almost it works at many different levels, that. And we have home groups and, and our community here as a church. But we know we're linked to the church wider. And that's a really good thing. Although sometimes it's hard to balance the two up. I know. But the early church shows that. And there's lots of insights in the way, you know, Paul, <laughs> Timothy, when he was a very young person, and Paul encourages the church in Corinth to give, not to give him a hard time. Right? Paul clearly had a hard time himself in some ways there. Encourages the church to send him on their way. How all these little local churches were, were sharing together in the work, the work of bringing the truth of the kingdom of God to pagan world. And this chapter starts with this thing about the giving, the, 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 the offering for the saints. Now, the situation here is that uh, Paul is organising across all the Gentile churches through what we now call Asia Minor, and Greece. He's organising a collection for poor Christians in Jerusalem. And, and we don't entirely know why the church, the Christians in Jerusalem, were, were, were in trouble financially. They were. Uh, there are theories. There's a, um, a bit in Acts where a prophet goes to the church in Antioch and prophesies a famine. It may be that was the issue. The famine had come and the church in, in Jerusalem was fairly poor. One of the... Uh, one of the commentators, with whom I disagree, incidentally, for I say it, one of the commentators suggests that the church in Jerusalem was poor because of their early experiment with socialism. Do you remember that? Having all things in common. And the, uh, the financial crash from that meant they were poor. Uh, that's obviously a very, a very biased economic view, possibly, of socialism. But hey, uh, whatever. We don't really know. But, what, but Paul knew, and the church knew, that there's a real need in this... It church, which is a long way away. I mean, you know, Macedonia to, to, to Jerusalem is a fair way nowadays. And you remember, you've got to walk or take ships and stuff. It's quite a long way. But they felt this unity. And Paul, in teaching about how to do this, says the following. And I'll just read that one verse again. On the first, so he's talking to the church in Corinth. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then he says he'll give letters of instruction to the people they trust to send it. Lots of things come from that. A little bit about, by the way, the way that Paul is very careful here about the sort of financial regularity and doing it properly. He's not going to have the money. The church in Corinth are going to choose people they trust to send the money to Jerusalem. And Paul will write a letter saying, hey guys, this is from the church in Corinth. Make sense? Um, Thank you, Katie, for making sure we stick to financial regulations. Although we all trust each other, we do it properly, amen? And we do it right. It's an area where it's easy to get to slip up. And, um, you know, there, there are church leaders who've got been caught up by it, I have to say, in the past. So Paul's very clear about that. But that's not my point. My point is this. He says to the Christians in Corinth, set us on the first day of the week, that Sunday, 
set aside a sum of money. Now that's like a sort of pretty much an instruction, really. And then he said everyone should give what, what is appropriate to their income. And that's like openness. And I think there's something this morning, I think the one thing I want to try and say is that quite a lot of aspects of our life as Christians, our disciplines, are, need both those things. It needs a regularity that's almost like organised and a spontaneity that's open to Holy Spirit. And that's not a complicated thing, is it? Say to me, be organised and spontaneous. Say it, be organised and spontaneous. You can be both at the same time. And I think that's what Paul's encouraging about giving. And I have to say, just stick with giving for a minute, money. It, it's, it's important, I think, that we are organised and we do it in an organised sort of way. Back in the old day, when we took, you know, before COVID, when we had a collection, some people used to bring money to church. They had little envelope things. Do we still have an envelope system, Peter? Has it completely died? Gone, yeah, okay, yeah, fine, right? And in some ways, the whole, like, I, I know Katie thinks monthly standing orders and banker drafts are great because they're efficient, but in some ways, it's a problem because if you're not careful, it happens automatically. You never even think about checking it. I think it's good, guys, to set organised discipline a time when I say, okay, on the, you know, where it's going to be? First of March or first of April, what it is, or maybe twice, I don't know. Let's review what, what our giving looks like. Have a disciplined structure about it. But there's a freedom. I mean, there are, there are like suggestions and ideas, but, but the, we need the freedom of when God says, give something to this. I tend not to respond. What do you do? Okay, here you go. Open question. How many of you buy coffee in coffee shops? Hands up. Or... Uh, do you ever get those things where they are, oh, or if you buy stuff online these days sometimes, where they say, do you want to round it up for charity? Who's, who's seen that? You know, your coffee's, your coffee's what, £2.80, and they do you want to round it up to £3. Have you seen this or not? Okay, give me a steer here. How many of you always say yes? How many of you always say no? How many of you sometimes say yes? Depending, okay, fine. Spontaneity, you see. I'm sort of thinking, what charity is it? I want to be in control of what I'm doing a little bit here. I don't know. Ah, I haven't got time. I want my coffee. I haven't got time to think about charity. Give me the coffee. But there is a place walking through London and seeing someone on the street of saying, I've got time. You yeah, mate, do you want to buy your meal? And walking with them to a restaurant that all take away at the moment anyway, usually a fast food outlet, and buy them a meal. I, I don't, in a sense, plan that. I don't put aside a sum of money for that, but it's worth, it is sometimes the right thing to do. There's a discipline of doing it regularly every, on the first day of the week, every one of you set aside some money. And there's a freedom of being open to God's spirit. You may use the guideline of tithing in 10%. Fantastic, but sometimes God will say no more. Or different. There's a spontaneity. Be open to God's spirit. Do you get this? Yes? Katie would be terrified if we were all completely spontaneous. God might actually quite like it. But, uh, and the same goes for prayer. And Bible reading. And cutting the grass. I mean, I'm spontaneous about cutting the grass, which means it's always scruffy, until my wife says, you must cut the grass. 
but it'd be far better. I bet some of you have a plan, don't you? Where you do the grass every week or every month or wave at me if you've got a plan. Uh, good man. I knew some would have. But you see, if I don't, if I don't decide that I'm, if I don't have some discipline about when I read my Bible, I'm liable to slip, let it slip. But on the other hand, I don't want to be completely religious about it and just do like, you know, I'm going to read my Bible from uh, 9 o'clock till 9.05 in the evenings. Or whatever. And I don't want to be legalistic about it. I don't want to slip into religion over it. But a certain level of organisation is important. We can be organised and spontaneous. However, I want to be open when I read text, when I read the scripture. I may sit down to study it because I've got to think about the logic here. But Holy Spirit comes along and, and, and prompts something, and I just go off and pray into that. Yes, be spontaneous. Let Holy Spirit speak to you through the word. He does speak to you through the word. Let it flow. But if you never discipline yourself to doing it, he won't speak to you through the word. Huh? It's worth doing it. And prayer. Isn't prayer the same? If you don't, not somewhat organised about when you do it, it's easy to slip. And everything else as well. Paul is the same, I think, the same principle I think applies if you go on about his planning. So verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. He's made a plan. He, he knows the church in Corinth needs a visit, and he's made a plan. And he's worked out where he is now, Ephesus. He's going to go through Macedonia, the bit... I don't actually know who owns it. Is it Greece or is it... I don't know, whatever part of the Balkans it is. And then into, into Corinth, in this pointy bit of Greece that sticks down. And, and he's made a plan. He's organised. And he's thinking, you know, I'll, I'll, I want to do it. And he spent some time there. It needs to be a time because not a quick visit won't do. Both for them to be encouraged and sorted out and then to encourage me. But then he says... Uh, little, 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 little. I don't want to see you now, because the Lord, sorry, if the Lord permits, but I will stay on in Ephesus, verse 8, until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work is open to me, and there are many who oppose me. Paul's plans, it seems to me, are both organised, he's got a plan of what he's doing, but also he's spontaneous, he's open to what God's doing. In Ephesus, a great door of opportunity has been opened. I don't know what that means. Many people coming to hear him preach. There were people becoming Christians, presumably. There was an effective work going on, and he could see Holy Spirit doing it. And, he's, and so, so he's staying. You know, if God's working here, I'm going to be here. I've made the organised plan, but I want to be spontaneous in response to Holy Spirit. See what God's doing and be there doing it. And I just want to say that I think this works at every level of our uh, experience as Christians, both individually Sometimes it's important for us to just pull back and say, yeah, okay, I need more discipline. Sometimes to be more spontaneous in things, to be more open to Holy Spirit. I think, by and large, the Anglican Church has erred on the sides of organisation, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Become very rigid in what it does and how it does it. Beautiful thing, doing morning prayer every morning of the week, but that's not, you know, it can get in the way of doing anything else. Could become very rote and tight. And, and sometimes we go the other way around, and, we just, and, and the danger of being over spontaneous about some of these disciplines is we just slip up and they don't happen. And I'm aware for me, as always, when you're preaching, you're aware of your own failings, massive as they are. I'm aware for me that sometimes I need to just pull myself up and say, 
Let's sort it out. And sometimes I just want to be more open in what God's doing. I, I, I love those moments when what, I'm just doing whatever I'm doing and walking through life or drilling holes in bits of wood or whatever and, 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 and Holy Spirit just prompts something into your heart. I want to be open to those things. I don't want my life to be secluded into sort of Godly times and lifetimes. I want to be integral, as I think Paul got. I want Holy Spirit to be able to interrupt anything I'm doing. Lord, I, I mean this. Anything I'm doing. And when I see God doing stuff, like Paul was in Ephesus, when I see God's doing stuff, when a great opportunity has opened up, I want to be there doing it and put other stuff aside. Because nothing else is important as doing what God is doing. The son can only do what he sees the father doing. But he does do what he sees the father doing. He's open to see what's going on and to be there doing it. Any plan that I've made or the church has made or whatever else or our home groups have made, yeah, it can be chucked if we see God. If we clearly see God in something else. And Laurie would, would say this in terms of move by revelation. We only do what we tell the, see the Father telling us to do. And that's absolutely true. But you don't get revelation unless you put some time aside to pray and seek it. Do you get? <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen just because, I don't know, Sometimes it's that, it's a, you have to put some time into this and some care and then organise. met a person, to, I won't mention at all by name, trying to avoid entirely, just saying that they've you know, asked Ruth for uh, prayer appointments every two months. There's an organisation there. Once you come to being prayed for, have a prayer appointment, it's uh, totally spontaneous to Holy Spirit. There's no agenda comes to that. But the fact you do it is a good thing. Let's not throw out all of the structures and things by being too willing to be spontaneous, but let's have both together. Okay. At the risk of getting myself in deep trouble, does that make sense? Are there any questions or other suggestions for examples other than cutting the grass? You're allowed to say stuff. Uh, at home, you have to say it via the chat and I won't see it. Ha ha ha. So you can say what you like. But in church, you can say out loud, anyone got anything else that the Holy Spirit lays on them to say? This is not necessarily revelation, it's just a, an intelligent response. You weren't ready for that, were you? Most of you have already fallen asleep, haven't you? No, don't nod. I will have you up here, Crofty. Okay, Paul ends with this. Listen to this. Be on your guard. Why? Because Satan's looking out to get you. If you decide to try and commit yourself to be a bit close to Jesus, Satan will try and get you. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men, he means people. Be people of courage and be strong. The strength we have, in a sense, is not ours, it's from God, but it is ours. Because he gives it to us. We have the authority to be, uh, have authority over the works of the enemy, other demons and, the and the, what they're trying to distract us with. Stand firm. Be strong. Stand firm. And then he says, do everything in love. It's not do everything with love. It's not be strong with love. It's not like, but it's be in love. It comes from love. Our love for God, which is secondary because he loves us. We love because he first loved, he loved us. It is love for him and love for the world. 
and love for his world and love for that's what should be the motivation for us. We want to stand firm. We want to be strong. We want to be courageous. We want to do this stuff right. We want to be a people who are responsive to God in love because it all comes from love. When I ask what, one th- what the message of 1 Corinthians are, the big thing, I'm glad someone said love first. It's not quite the centre in terms of the text, but it is the centre of all of this stuff. All the stuff, as Paul says, prophecy, tongues, all stuff, makes no sense unless it comes from love. And it's out of love for my saviour that I want to be both disciplined, organised in the way I follow him and open to his loving, caring spirit. Amen. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Take a moment's quiet and then hopefully the script will come on screen and we'll say the Lord's Prayer together and then pray for some people. About two weeks ago I did the Lord's Prayer extemporarily, which was a mistake because I forgot the words at one point as well. <clears throat> so the words are on screen. We pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.